0: Well, good morning and welcome to everyone on this uh, holiday weekend. Special welcome to those joining us at Crossroads in Highland Park and at the O One. one As it turns out, um, some things are better than uh, they anticipated they would be. I doubt any of you want to change, turn in your your smartphone for the monstrosities that Cronkite was looking at and promising would come our way. So some things are better than uh, predicted, some things are worse, Uh, for the record, I still don't have a flying car, I was promised a flying car, I don't have one. Uh, So some things are better, some things are worse, some things are just, I'm going to say, confused. And I want to put the category of faith in that third camp. On the one hand, we have uh, some very clear parameters about what faith is supposed to be, Jesus contrasts faith with unbelief. And in Hebrews chapter 11, we get a, a definition from the writer of Hebrews. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So there's, there's some clarity about what faith is. At the same time, I would submit to you that the word gets used in a lot of different ways by a lot of different people. And that there's a lot of confusion about exactly what faith is and this is a big deal for a whole host of reasons first of all because uh the bible is pretty clear that faith is a big deal in galatians 3 paul says that we the the just those who have been reconciled by by uh christ to his father the just are expected to live by faith and in hebrews 11 which is the faith chapter where we get the definition of hebrews In Hebrews 11, we're told that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So faith is a big deal from the biblical standpoint. I would submit that faith is also a big deal uh, for the future. As we look forward, I think um, having faith is going to be critical. I I argue that in the book, that we need to be be clear about uh, what our, our deepest convictions are and what we understand is important. And we need to be clear about having good friends, right? So one of the things is we, we've got to have this faith thing nailed down. Uh, I would go a, a half step past that and say faith isn't just necessary for the future. I think faith is necessary for today. Uh, this, this past Wednesday, I, I woke up, standard morning protocol, praying, sort of reciting some of the prayers that I pray as I stumble towards the coffee pot in the morning. And then uh, after that's on, I get down on my knees and I, I start the day with a, a time of prayer. And there's, I pray the Lord's Prayer. There's some other things that I pray at that point. And as I, as I sort of turned and began to pray for the things that were most pressing, most prominent, I pretty quickly discovered that I was in a bad mood. And, um, and as this went on, I, I found myself actually getting mad with God. Which is not sort of very common for me, and I, I, I sort of stopped and I thought, "Wow, what, how am I going to such a dark place so quickly?" And I looked at the things that were sort of ahead of me, or the things that were that were on my mind. We have several uh, people in the hospital facing very serious challenges. Uh, I'm, I am, if not depressed, I'm, I'm very discouraged about the political moment that we're in. And I shared a few weeks ago that I have three friends who are in a state of crisis. Uh, Two of them are doing a little better, but uh, one of them, uh, but a new one has been added to that list. And so uh, I thought, okay, well, there's that. But in all honesty, it's not all that different than normal. And that didn't explain what was going on. I didn't ever get to a great explanation of why I was in such a bad mood, but I I decided I needed to go back to 1 Samuel 30, where I have been going more often than I care to admit. 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, there is a passage there. David is, uh, it, this is, a, this is a, a difficult time for David. It's before he becomes king. Saul's trying to kill him. He has uh, sort of be, become the leader of a group of uh, renegades. There's like 400 vigilantes, mercenaries for hire. David's leading this group. And they're on, a, they're on a, an assignment, and when they come back, the Amalekites have raided their camp, kidnapped their families, taken all their, taken all their possessions. And this group of outlaws that David is in charge of uh, are distraught. They've lost their wives. They've lost their children. And they turn on David, and they're looking to kill David. David is distraught because he's lost family in this. And uh, it says in 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, that David encouraged himself in the Lord. And uh, I found that it was very important for me to spend time, more time than, than uh, normal, just sort of talking myself off the ledge and back into a positive orientation. Reminding myself of the things that, that are true. That, that God wins, that good prevails, that, that I have hope not a, not a mindless hope, not a, not a blind optimism kind of hope, but I have hope based on the fact that Jesus is God and that he conquered death and that he is the firstborn of the resurrection, that there are good things uh, out ahead, that there will be setbacks, there will be trials, there will be hardships, but, but God wins and this turns out. And so I would argue that faith is not just important from a biblical standpoint. Faith is not just important as we look to the future. Faith is important for right now, and um, and I would put one more thing on that. I would just say faith is it's actually sort of a hot topic at the moment, and uh, you know, not not as not lighting up the social media like the Kardashians. Not quite that hot, but if you if you if you're reading between the lines uh, on the New York Times, it's just been interesting over the last several months to watch what is happening. So, it was just a couple years ago that the Times and others were spending a lot of a lot of time, uh, a lot of ink on the the new atheists, Richard Dawkins, Christopher Hitchens, Sam Harris, and others, who said that people of faith were idiots. You know, human pit bulls, small minds, sharp teeth, uh, strong jaws—the uh, the source of almost all the problems that were going on in the world. And uh, and so you had that, and that was not that not that long ago. Well, uh, what's happening? Again, not stated, but if you're sort of paying attention, is that uh, one of the most prominent columnists for the New York Times, David Brooks, has been transitioning to faith, and. The last thing I heard Brooks say was that he goes, "I am now a believer." Now, in all fairness, he is he has refused to say what he believes in. Uh, he said the grass is too uh, is too new; it's too delicate. I'm not going to let anybody step on it for a while. But given he, the, the 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 fact that he is quoting more from C.S. Lewis and John Stott and Timothy Keller, given the fact that his his assistant, his principal assistant is a, is a Wheaton grad, given, given a number of other things. I think we can look on, it can't be positive, but I think we can look on and say he has, he has made a commitment uh, to Christ. And then additionally, you've got uh, sort of the, the, some of the, the, the writings that have been going on about Timothy Keller and what's happening in New York. So Keller, uh, who's just come out with a new book uh, called Making Sense of God in which he talks about faith and says many people who say they have no faith, who say they just are scientists or it's all about reason, he he sort of unmasks that and explains that we all make starting assumptions, that we cannot ground on anything other than I'm choosing to believe this as my starting point. And so he talks about that. And he also, Redeemer Presbyterian Church, Keller's a pastor, and he's a pastor in Manhattan, Uh, And Redeemer Presbyterian Church and a whole bunch of churches in New York have sort of made this point that 15, 20 years ago, 1% of people in Manhattan were attending a gospel preaching church, and now it's 5%, and they believe they're they're about to head to 10%, that things are, they're reaching a tipping point. So there's, faith is not just important, and faith is not just obviously biblical, Uh, faith is also a hot topic. And uh, it, is a, it is a topic that emerges out of the book of Daniel. And so, as we look at what the qualities and characteristics are that uh, Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, hold on to to sort of successfully navigate a world of change and, and, and become a, a force for good, uh, we've talked about courage, we've talked about uh, humility and wisdom. I want to talk about faith. And quite honestly, I could, I could pick a, a section out of the first any of the first seven or eight chapters of Daniel. The last part of Daniel is the prophetic side. But I could pick, a, I could pick a, a section out of almost any chapter in Daniel. They don't talk about faith. The word faith doesn't get used very often. But we have this contrast that is going on. As Daniel writes, and, and he's profiling people that do not have faith in God... The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And and he's profiling that against uh, the faith that he has embraced. And the faith of his friends. And so I'm just going to read the first verse. uh, Because there's a lot of places to go. We don't get to to see faith in in action. We don't get the verse that says have faith in Daniel. But it's just obvious when we look at, at Daniel 1, 1 and 2. That Daniel is a person... Of faith. So he writes, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, King of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, King of Judah, into his hand. So just just understand what, what he's saying here, because this is shocking. Okay. Uh, so Daniel's writing from the end of his life. The, the Daniel, the book of Daniel, is his memoirs. He writes it as a as an older man, reflecting back on what has happened. And he looks back at this most horrific moment when Jerusalem and the temple fell. Uh, and there's, we, we don't have any ability to really comprehend what that would have been like. When uh, bin Laden attacked uh, the U.S., we had, you know, the, the trade towers came down and there was a bomb that, that did uh, strike the Pentagon and then there was, the, the, there was a plane that did strike the Pentagon and then there was an effort to have another plane that was headed to the White House, but that was stopped. Uh, Had he been successful not just in taking down the Twin Towers, but also the Pentagon and the White House, we still would not have the magnitude uh, of, of assault against our country that happens when the temple goes down. You would have had to add in... Uh, the National Cathedral and the Smithsonian Institute and, and probably some football stadiums and some other things to try and capture that this is, a, this is an attack on everything that it means to be an American. Uh, and, and this happens, and yet what Daniel writes at the end of his life is that Nebuchadnezzar, right, this bad guy, the, the evil leader, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, was used by God. The Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, king, the, the king of the Jews, the Lord gave Jehoiakim into his hand with some of the vessels of the temple. And so he's looking back at the worst thing that he could imagine. He's taken as he is a prisoner, and he's marched to Babylon, and lots of people die, and all kinds of things happen. And he looks and he says, God was actually bigger than that event, right? God... At least allow that event to happen. He is seeing everything now through the eyes of the hands of a God who is controlling the events that are taking place in his life. And I just want—I just want us to think about what that kind of faith is and what it looks like and how it expresses itself in life. Uh, there is an opportunity for a deep sense of calm, even in the midst of chaos, there's an opportunity for uh, a a sense of peace, (laughs) an assurance that even when bad things are happening, right, a good God has things under control. And so um, I've defined faith, faith, well, I've not defined it, I'm just giving us the biblical definition, Hebrews 11, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. What I want to do is I want to push on that definition for a little bit by, by talking about what faith is not. Because if you listen carefully, lots of different people use the word faith to mean lots of different things. And I want to say, no, it's not these things. Uh, and then I want to give you an illustration. I want to, I want to give you a, a, a visual of faith. And, uh, and invite you to just sort of assess, so what, how am I doing? as it comes to living a life of faith. If it's impossible to please God without faith, (laughs) how am I doing in terms of exhibiting faith? So I have eight things that I want to say faith is not. First of all, faith is not believing things that you know are not true. And and I say this simply because there are some uh, who have suggested that H.L. Mencken is the, the one that gives us this classic line. He was a journalist in the first part of the 20th century. said, faith is the, uh, is the illogical belief in the improbable. Um, so there are people who say, you know, that they say they have no faith. Again, they need to read Keller's newest book, uh, Making Sense of God. If you're not reading Keller, you're missing out. This is the newest book. It is a prequel to The Reason for God. Uh, they've not read this book. And they speak in disparaging terms about faith. And some people say, faith is believing things that you know are not true. Faith is being told 2 plus 2 equals 5, and you better believe it because a religious book says it. And uh, I just want to say, no, that's not faith. Furthermore, faith is not a leap in the dark. Faith is not reason. But faith is not opposed to reason. Uh, Dallas Willard said it this way. He said, faith is not uh, a wild, desperate leap. It is is confidence grounded in reality. We are not expected to believe things without support. We are not expected to just believe without any kind of assurance. We have uh, a book that talks about the nature of God, think about it. when Moses is is out as a, is out wandering around as a, as a uh, shepherd and God calls him right God manifests himself to Moses in the form of a burning bush that 's what gets moses his attention right there 's a miracle right out of the gate, and then as God reintroduces himself to the Jewish people who've been slaves for four hundred years and they don 't they don't really know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? They have fallen away from that. There will be a series of signs. There will be, there's there's the the 10 plagues. There's the parting of the Red Sea. There's manna from heaven. There's water from a rock. There's a cloud by day. There's fire by night, right? And then when Jesus comes along, Right, Jesus distinguishes himself because there's depth and gravity and goodness and, and, and he speaks with an authority that nobody else has. But he also does miracles. And he will say, very specifically in John 14, believe me when I tell you that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. If you don't believe that, at least believe on the basis of the miracles themselves. That I am not just another rabbi. I'm not just a good teacher. I'm making a claim that is beyond that. But there, are, there is evidence that has been offered. And I would submit to you that we are downstream of a lot of evidence, including the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. We're not simply expected to believe on the basis of nothing. It's not a leap in the dark. Number three, <clears throat> faith is not merely intellectual assent faith has legs the faith you have is the faith you show right if you want to know what you believe look at how you live that is what we believe our actions tell us what we actually believe and that's what Jesus will say uh, that's what uh, John will say in first John 2 uh, he writes and and he says look Uh, We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The one who says I know him but does not do what he commands is a liar and the truth is not in him. So if we know God, if we have faith in God, then that manifests itself in making decisions that reflect that faith. And and there's a big category today of what some people refer to as Christian atheists. There's, a, there's an assent, I believe, but there's, there's not really evidence of that belief. And we need to understand that faith is not simply the assent. Faith is the, the action that supports it. The faith that we have is the faith that we show. And we are broken, we're fallen people, we're going we're gonna to trip up, we're going to fall. But the trend line of our lives should be towards generosity, care for the poor, uh, selflessness, right, humility. These are the things that should characterize a person of faith in Christ. Now, the classic illustration of this, it's been used for many years, uh, but it's strong enough, it just needs to be told again. The, The classic illustration of saying faith is not merely intellectual assent, Uh, points to Charles Blondin, a daredevil of the last part of the the 19th century. First guy to walk a tightrope between uh, the U.S. and Canadian sides over Niagara Falls. And uh, he makes this transition hundreds if not thousands of times. He walks across, he rides a bike across, he goes across on stilts, he goes out to the middle and and builds a little kitchen and cooks an omelet and eats it, He, he runs across, he does all kinds of things going back and forth. One point he has a wheelbarrow and he's got 350 pounds of bricks and he pushes it across uh, he pushes it across the line uh, across the rope. when he gets to the other side, he takes it out. he goes, "How many of you believe I could do this again?" And everybody raises their hand. he goes, "Great. How many of you believe that instead of bricks, I could put a person in the wheelbarrow and push them across, and everybody raises their hand. He goes, "Great, who wants a ride?" And everybody takes their hands down. It is the difference between intellectual assent, yes, I believe you can do that, and faith. i 'm in the wheelbarrow because I'm, I, I'm, I have a confidence. I can trust this. I'm going to act on it. Number four, faith is not magic. Faith is not believing things that you know are not true. Faith is not a leap in the dark. Faith is not mere intellectual assent. Faith is not magic. It's not the ability to get two plus two to equal five if only you believe it sincerely enough. And uh, I say this because... Um, there are people who speak this way and and say, "If only you have enough faith, right your child will get well. If only you have enough faith, this will happen if only you have enough faith, this will happen and and the emphasis there is on the faith so let me just say you can have faith and faith if you want that 's not Christian faith. Christian faith is not about faith it 's about faith in God. And, the, and the, the, the important part there is God, not your faith. So if there's a, if there's a rickety bridge that is going to fall over as soon as you put three pounds on it, and you have faith that it will hold you as you walk across it, uh, I'm, I'm betting it doesn't work. If there's a good bridge and you have very meager faith in it, I think it'll hold. So faith is as good as the object in which we invest it. Christian faith is not magic. It is faith in a good God. Number five, faith is not optimism. So, I like optimism more than pessimism, uh, and I have hope. (laughs) I have hope that uh, a good God has got all things under control. I have hope that Jesus Christ is who he claims to be, uh, and that that uh, when I die, I, I will live again. I have a, a, a confident hope, a Christian hope. But hope is not optimism, and optimism is not faith. So we need to understand: optimism is a is a is a good feeling that things are going to work out right, and faith is the confidence that a good God has this ultimately under control. And between here and there, <laughs> uh, we've actually been told to expect difficulties and trials and setbacks and hardships. So it's not that everything is going to work. I, I am hopeful that the Cubs will win the World Series. right? But, but that's a hope-so that's a, a hope. So hope. Uh, it's not a no-so hope. Right? I, am, I am confident that the sun is going to rise again tomorrow. Right? So faith is, the faith that we're talking about is not a hope so hope. It's a confident hope that things are going uh, to work out. But faith is not optimism. Number six, faith is not a feeling. So there's nothing wrong with feelings, uh, but we need to understand that like our minds, our intellect, like our health, every aspect of who we are has been damaged by sin. We're not as bad as we can be, but every part of our life, our physical, uh, spiritual, intellectual, and emotional, every part of our life has been damaged by sin. And so sometimes our emotions are right in lockstep with what they should be. And, and the hope, the prayer, the, the goal is that the longer we follow Christ, the more our emotions sort of fall in line with, with what they should be. But they're not always that. And so sometimes we simply have to rely on our convictions. Our, our feelings are not in line with what we need to do. And we need to understand that just because we're feeling optimistic that's not faith that's a feeling and it may or may not move in a good direction number seven faith is not whatever you want it to be and here I'm speaking specifically of the Christian faith and I'm making a transition between faith being used as a verb as it often is and faith referring uh, to the Christian faith and being used as a noun as it often is So I just want to be clear, I I wrote about this in the book, I said, you know, globalization has come to worldviews and religions, and there's just a few that have percolated up that seem to be moving forward. One of them is cafeteria religion, and there's a lot of people out there who sort of think they're operating under the banner of, of Christianity when they pick and choose all kinds of tenets, that they say they believe in. So I'm, I believe in God and, and I believe in Jesus and I believe in reincarnation and I believe in capitalism and I believe in, uh, in Ayn Rand and I believe in Oprah and the Cubs and that's what I believe. And they put it all together and say, that's what I believe. Okay, uh, it's, it doesn't work. It's, some of those things are mutually exclusive. It's not going to support you in a time of crisis because it's not true. But today we're not really allowed to say that. Uh, whatever someone sincerely believes, we are expected to affirm. So uh, I want to go back. I've used this illustration before. But uh, I have a friend who taught, has taught a confirmation class, uh, our compass class for 8th graders, for 20 years. And he, uh, he opens this class by, uh, by doing two things. First of all, he holds up a jar that has uh, marbles in it or whatever, jelly beans. And he says, how many marbles are in this jar? And he writes all the students' names and their guesses. Right? And then he says, okay, and what is your favorite song? And everybody gives their favorite songs. And then he opens the, the, the lid, and he, he pours the marbles out, and they count them. And he goes, okay, so there's 38 marbles. So we look, and we see that Lauren said there was 37. And Jack, and they were all lower than that, and these people were all higher than that. And so Lauren, Lauren wins. She has the closest answer. Okay? And, then, and then he says, okay, so who won having the, the favorite song? Who wins that? And, of course, all the students say, no, 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 You, you can't win that. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion on which song is, is the, their favorite song. He goes, oh, okay. So, now goes, so is faith more like how many marbles there are in a jar, or is it more like a favorite song? And he says, everybody today says, faith is more like picking your favorite song. I just want to say, no, it's not. Uh, there is a, there, there is a, a creed. There, there is a tenet. There is, there is an affirmation that Jesus has said, this is it. We've tried to outline that with the fence post. We said, these are the, these are the critical non-negotiables. We can't, we don't get to mess with this. We don't get to decide, I like that, I don't like that, I'm going to choose this and choose that. The Christian faith is something in particular, and we need to be aware of that. Finally, um, Faith is not uh, a slice of the pie. So you can imagine, you've all seen pie graphs, right? There's a, there's a circle, and you're imagining that it's a pie, and there's a bunch of different wedges, and they go, okay, so this is this is what makes up your life. And they go, there's this many hours you spend at work, and there's this many hours you spend sleeping, and then this is the time you spend eating preparing food, and this is the time you spend working out, and this is the time you spend watching TV, and this is the time you spend with friends, and this is the time you spend... And And some of you believe that my objective, my goal, is to get you to have one of those slices to be God, or faith, or church, or religion, or whatever you want to label it, and and additionally, that I'm forever trying to grow that that slice of the pie to get bigger and bigger, that that's my assignment. So I just want to say, uh, no, not my assignment at all, not the way I understand it. Faith is not another thing in life. If we're going to use that illustration, I would say faith is the pie pan into which everything else is formed. Faith is is the orientation we have and bring to everything. That is what Jesus brings forward. It It is a definition of reality. It is a call to the way we think and we live. It is to shape everything. So, Here's what I want to do. I've, I've, we've defined faith out of Hebrews 11. Assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. I've said it's not feelings and it's not a leap in the dark and it's not a slice of the pie. I've, I've given you all those things. I want to, I want to play a, a brief video clip of uh, a man speaking at his wife's funeral. Uh, this is Monty Williams. He was an NBA player uh, and more recently he's been a coach. His uh, wife was killed this February when a uh, driver under the influence of methamphetamine crossed the center line and, and it was a head-on collision. And uh, this is about five minutes into the comments that he makes. You can watch all of them online if, if you want to do that. But he, he is speaking from a position of faith, an assurance of things hoped for, a conviction of things not seen. And so uh, we're going to play this, and and when we come back, the campus pastors are going to step up uh, and and take it from there. Let's run this video.
1: This will work out. Doesn't mean it's not hard. Doesn't mean it's not painful. Doesn't mean we don't have tough times, and we're going to have tough times. What we need is the Lord, and that's what my wife tried to exhibit every single day. Now, I'm going to close with this, and I think it's the most important thing that we need to understand. Everybody's praying for me and my family, which is right. But let us not forget that there were two people in this situation. And that family needs prayer as well. And we have no ill will towards that family. In my house, we have a sign that says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We cannot serve the Lord if we don't have a heart of forgiveness. That family didn't wake up wanting to hurt my wife. Life is hard. It is very hard. And that was tough. But we hold no ill will towards the Donaldson family. And we, as a group, brothers united in unity, should be praying for that family. Because they grieve as well. So let's not lose sight of what's important. God will work this out. My wife is in heaven. God loves us. God is love. And when we walk away from this place today, let's celebrate. Because my wife is where we all need to be. And I'm envious of that. But I got five crumb snatchers I got to deal with. (laughs) I I love you guys for taking time out of your day to celebrate my wife. We didn't lose her. When you lose something, you can't find it. I know exactly where my wife is. I'll miss holding her hand. I'll miss talking with my wife. Um, Sam and Coach Donovan probably couldn't figure out why I always wanted to get out of the office, Uh, me and Mo Cheeks. um, Mo probably wanted to go do something else. But we always wanted to get out of the office. I just enjoy being with my wife. I enjoy being with my family. I'm going to miss that.
0: So faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. I don't want to suggest that if you lose a loved one, you should be as stoic as, as this man is at this moment. Uh, he is unusually calm and collected. But I do want to suggest that you can have a hope, a confidence, an assurance uh, that God has things under control, and it allows you to navigate a world that is increasingly chaotic and to do so from a position of peace and confidence that a good God has got things under control so I'm going to close in prayer and I'm going to just acknowledge in this prayer that there are people with different levels of faith some of you have no faith Um, you that's how you would say it you you don't know God and you know that you don't know God I want to give you an opportunity to place your faith in God, and so I'm going to pray a prayer similar to the one I prayed 30 years ago. And I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand or come forward, but if it, if that's, if you want to know the kind of uh, God that you see demonstrated by uh, the comments of Monty Williams, I want to give you a chance to put your faith in Him. Some of you are in a different camp. You are Christian atheists. You would say, "Well, that is what I believe," but there's not a lot of evidence. That and I want to give you a chance to say, okay, I gotta, I gotta step up here. Uh, the faith I have is the faith I show. <laughs> I want to show more faith. And uh, Spirit of God, I need help figuring out what that looks like. So I'm going to pray uh, for all of us, but I'm going to, I'm going to call out those two and give you a chance to pray with me on that front. So let's, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, again, we thank you for. Um, directions about how to live and how to live well uh, in a world that is um, a bit unsettled. Uh, we want to exhibit the kind of uh, thoughtfulness, calmness, uh, the, the spirit of uh, confidence that we see in David and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so we pray to that end. If you don't know Christ, I, I want to encourage you to pray a prayer silently in your heart. It's the attitude of your heart, not the words. But I want to encourage you or invite you to pray something like this. God, if you're God, and Christ is your son. I, I, I see in ways, I understand in ways I have not in the past that, uh, that I am broken and sinful and responsible for that. I can't, keep, I can't keep my own standards consistently, let alone keep your standards. And so I need help. And I want uh, faith. I want to I place my destiny in your hands. I want to know that um, my past can be forgiven and I can have a life of purpose now. And heaven promised when I die. So, I, Lord Jesus, I, I thank you for who you are and what you've done and what you taught. And I, I look to you for help and forgiveness. And I thank you for, for dying in my place. And Spirit of God, I pray that you would guide and direct me and help me to become more like Jesus. If you're in the second camp, if you would say, you know, I made a decision like that six months ago or 20 years ago. But um, I've not been executing well against that set of assumptions. uh, I want to encourage you to pray something like this. Heavenly Father, forgive me for my... um, for my wandering. Forgive me for my lack of faith. Uh, Strengthen my faith even now. Spirit of God, help me see things more clearly. Help me place my hope, my confidence in God, and to live like Jesus. Uh, Help me to, to demonstrate and grow in faith that I could be more like him. To your glory, I pray. And Father, I would just pray for all of us that that faithful next steps would would somehow become clear. The opportunity to do something that helps us to grow, to be more like Jesus would be clear to us, and we would take those steps. We pray this in Christ's name, amen.